Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. Ricey K, the What's good, everyone? Alex Trateris here with another Knicks and Jets episode <laughs> of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, the one and only, the one and only John Malika. Now, everyone, you all know the drill. If you listen to this podcast and you haven't already done so, please make sure to subscribe. We got, we're got we on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. If you listen to us on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to give us that five-star rating. And if you listen to us on Apple, please make sure to leave a review or comment. Actually, got to give a shout out because this is the thing. Like when we get a review, John, you know what it is. We got to give a, we got to give the shout out to someone who leaves us a new review. We got a new review coming in today from Big Mama. That's right, Big Mama. We appreciate you. Uh, let me rephrase that, Mama. Thirty one oh one two says just Mama. Uh, just Mama. Just Mama. But she's my Big Mama, all right? Because it's very kind for what she did. She said, "Host are positive and knowledgeable. Keep up the good work. Give us that five star review. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate that." If you also don't know, we're also partnered with Minute Media and Fansites. You can find this podcast on the Daily Knicks and the Jet Press. Also, make sure to go check out our YouTube channel, Knicks Come and Jets Come at ETC, period, on right side, et cetera. That shit is wild. Find the page, subscribe, hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new episode drops. When you watch a video, hit the like button, leave a comment, add to the conversation. We want to know your thoughts and opinions. And while you're over at that YouTube channel, check out Winning Picks Weekly. John, video producer Greg, and our guy and co-host Chip Murphy. These guys break down every single sport. If you love sports gambling and you need to put money down on the line, these guys got you covered. They did their whole college futures, overs, unders. They did the AFC and NFC. <laughs> if you guys love football, you know where to go. And then last we and certainly not least. We're here, baby. We made it. We We are here. And last and certainly not least, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We are there. John, what's going on, bro? How you doing today? How was your Labor Day weekend? Labor Day weekend was good. Had a couple weddings. Had some family time around the pool. College football started officially week one, and they kind of let us bleed out into... Uh, some, a Sunday game and a Monday game. So that, that was kind of nice of them. <laughs> we appreciate that. It's NFL week one. The Knicks saga is officially over. I feel like I have, I finally have a Knicks off season. I, I'm, I'm living high right now, dude. I'm, I feel like the Rangers, uh, I'm doing a group game for the Rangers home opener. That's right around the corner. 
Uh, mm. I'm ready to go here, man. I, I, I am. I feel like it, I'm injected with opium right now. This is a time. No Knicks. Jets are zero and zero. You know, Rangers coming off a good season. Yankees. Like we could just think about October. Like we got October wrapped up. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good right now. I'm, I'm living okay. Not thinking about Liverpool. Not thinking about Mosulah. Just living good. How you doing? <laughs> doing all right, man. I too attended a wedding. It's a good time to just, you know, mellow out before the, the season starts ramping up for football. You know how it is for Jets. We got the, we got to do the breakdown, the preview. But look, man, look, we got phenomenal guests and we can't say the Knicks offseason just begun for you. All right. We got a phenomenal guest to break us down to quote, have the proper closure yeah. with this Donovan Mitchell saga <laughs> and, and, Help us go through the New York Jets entire season schedule. We got the one and only Andrew Claudio. We got him at what are you the executive producer of Nick's Film School? Okay. That would be my official title. Yeah. Okay. Executive producer of Nick's Film School, host of Final Review Pod, and contributor to Just Mets and Simply Amazing Pod. Andrew, you are busy, busy. Man of all trades. Man of all trades, yes. Guys, (laughs) how the hell did you and Thank you as always for wedding. Me, yes. Yes. And planning a <laughs> wedding at the same time. Um, thank you, Donovan Mitchell, for hijacking said summer. Although I think at this point it's thank you, Danny Ainge, for hijacking said summer. So wedding planning could be as stressful as possible. Um, but I'm happy to take some time out of all of it to, to spend it with I went you in doubt. When in doubt, blame it on Ainge. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. really good with that. <laughs> when in doubt, blame it on Danny Ainge. I agree. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Cosign. Yes. What a start. <laughs> so let's get into this then. Andrew. Yes. John and I, we, we went through, we, we kind of were happy that the deal didn't, we're, well, I should say we are happy that the deal didn't go through because of the cost and all the, the cost that it, it took to get Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs. We knew the Knicks had to match something close to that. Uh, and it probably would have involved RJ based on all the rumors. So we're happy that we still get, keep, RJ Barrett, but then, as you know, Twitter, uh, we just start seeing all this news from Woj, Begley, everybody from the athletic, you name it. Uh, we're getting all these other proposed trades, all this other nonsense, starting to learn from, uh, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe that, you know, it was, uh, Rosas who was doing the negotiations for us and not even Ainge on the Utah side. Right. It was, I think it was Zanin who they said was on the Utah side that was doing the negotiations as well. So now you read which that. Interesting which interesting by itself. It is interesting. There's just so much news coming out about this Donovan Mitchell <laughs> trade. It's like all the shrapnel of a, of an atomic bomb that just landed. All right. And now you're just, I, I, it, we're just trying to navigate this, this wasteland of that, uh, of Donovan Mitchell that didn't happen. So. Andrew, I'm going to start off with you. What was your overall feelings when you when you got the the tweet from from Woj that day, and how do you feel now, knowing all this information that is rolled out? It's a good distinction because they are two different feelings. In the moment, when you see the package that eventually got the deal done, it was all right. That's way too much. Nick's walked away. We're, we're pivoting into to RJ and the youth and. We'll, we'll roll with what we got here. And then you hear the trade packages they did offer. And it's why, and I, I mentioned this on, if I'll just, I'll plug it, the most recent episode of Nick's Film School, where we are ourselves 
did a a final a, a cap or no cap on the Donovan Mitchell <laughs> summer, uh, and I can't feel good about the process. I just can't. I am concerned with their evaluation of RJ, whether you believe in him or not. This was just like either make the deal or don't. The, like putting protections on a third pick being the deal breaker, but not the guy that is clearly your best prospect right now. And he's just like the, the equivalent of Colin Sexton to you in a deal is just very concerning. If you don't believe in him, why did you, why did you commit to him long-term? I get it. Like having him under contract and controllable for the next four years is fine, especially at a non-max price. But man, like the willingness to just give up quickly. The way Obi was thrown around in trade talks and the look, it's two unprotected picks. The report that John got on Mr. Macri was Fournier, RJ, and five picks total. And Ainge turned that down. And look, across the board, the, I'm sure you guys saw the Bill Simmons uh, clip that he and Rosillo mm-hmm. are like, why did Ainge turn that down? I'd want RJ 10 <laughs> times out of 10, which fine, egg on Danny Ainge's face, but he got what he wanted, three future picks. Why are the Knicks offering this? And it's... It's the first sign of concern that this front office has given me because I was willing to forgive a lot throughout the last year in the, the half really fun team that is young and exciting and, you know, Obi Toppin doing what he does in a limited role in the, 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 the moments of quickly and the good young pieces like Grimes and Sims and McBride and, you know, the, the 34 game sample of RJ after the, the new year hit that looked like a high volume player that if like some better, a little bit better efficiency and some better free throws. And this is a guy that could, like, that's what I'm saying, better efficiency. And you're looking at a guy that you could build around. And then you see the veterans that are still here. Then you see the coach that's still here and the philosophy of a team that is just not all the way in on the young kids, but not all the way in on winning as many games as possible with the roster that's been constructed. And I, I can't feel good about the process. I'm relieved about the results, but I'm now, it's funny. Jeremy had the, the best example or, or analogy last night. If you were at DEFCON four, <laughs> wherever you were before, uh, you're now at DEFCON three and I'm at DEFCON two because I was at DEFCON three during, <laughs> during, during the season. <laughs> <laughs> when it just seemed like we were spinning our wheels playing Kemba and yeah. Alec Burks and Erlens Noel and Taj Gibson as many minutes as possible. So I, I don't, it's, it's a relief. Like you said, I'm glad they didn't make the deal. I'm not giving the Knicks credit for making the offer they did and Danny Ainge out, apparently out of spite going elsewhere. Yeah. And like, John, I want to know your opinions first, but Andrew, I 100% agree with you on, on your feelings because Yes, that was the same feeling, like I said at the beginning of the pod, where you're relieved. But now seeing all this information and seeing where they were in trades, like when you go to a table to negotiate, like you have to know what is off limits to you as a team. You have to know what, you know, your max offer will be. And to me, it just seemed all over the place as someone who just sat down at the table and was like, oh, yeah, I'm okay with this. Oh, yeah, I'm okay with this. Oh, yeah, I'm okay with this. With regards, except for the unprotected Knicks picks, like I get that they want to keep hold of their future and that's fine. But when it comes to players 
and it's RJ Barrett. And I'm looking at Donovan Mitchell and RJ being the focal point of this team when we're doing the whole breakdowns, covering this whole Donovan Mitchell trade saga. Trading your third overall pick for Donovan Mitchell says a hell of a lot about the drafting process, your talent evaluation, and just as you already pointed out, like your confidence in him to be better. Like, do you see, do you see, or do you believe in him and why in him being coming that person that could be an all star? It doesn't seem like it. If you're ready to trade uh, him for Donovan Mitchell, because I would want to see him here. And from how it started off in negotiations, it didn't seem like, you know, we had that Ian Begley report where he was in it. Then he was, and it did. It, it, and we heard this whole talk, like, Ainge doesn't really want to pay somebody right now. And what he paid Colin Sexton is not something I would base that off of because I believe RJ is going to be better than what Colin Sexton is going to be down the line. You know, Colin Sexton, and shout out to you guys because I listened to the pod. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I, like, when I listen to, like, Colin Sexton, like, hearing you guys, like, how you broke it down, it's like, is he going to be a starter? Is he a six man? Like, that's kind of where he is, and that's kind of our quickly. You know, that's Emmanuel yeah. quickly, like how he's treated. So if you're ready to put up RJ Barrett into a trade to match the Colin Sexton, like offer, like what are we doing with RJ? Why are we even then investing? Why are we even investing this much time and then like paying him and doing all these things and, and going those that, that extra route? Then he should have been on the table. We should have started doing this a long time ago, you know? Yeah, but add process, believe- fine result. That, that's where I am at this point. But, you know, but, you know, I I actually disagree with you guys a really? lot on some points here. Uh, first of all, Alex, I don't think it's an indictment on the Knicks scouting for them feeling different about RJ. This is a different regime. They are allowed to feel different about RJ. Partially. They have no ties to him, and I, I, that's why I don't see it as oh now they're just trying to you know make up for their mistake of not taking Donovan Mitchell earlier when they had the chance right in the draft because it's a whole new regime. Uh, I, and I also disagree with Claudio when you're talking about how you lose you know now you have no trust in this. I didn't say no trust. It's the beginning of of like, curiosity but, if they but know they what they're doing. They did every, they did everything for you. Like what did they do? They, so they, they, they wanted, you wanted them to go after a superstar, right? We wanted a superstar in New York. We love Donovan Mitchell. They offered, let's go with, you know, Nick's film school. Let's go with Bakri's offer, right? That he got. And we're talking five picks, RJ and Fournier, right? For salary purposes. That's a hell of a lot. I mean, they're saying we, we are willing to kind of trade it all. We are willing to, to risk it all. To bring in the superstar, we, we even though we know we're not going to be a playoff team, they're not stupid. They know mm-hmm. if they bring in Donovan Mitchell, they are kind of, I would say, they're kind of appeasing the fan base, especially after last year, right? Because, I, I, in my opinion, that's all it would be doing. It, it's a terrible pick, right? It would be, it would be a, a terrible, a terrible trade to trade the five picks away, trade RJ Barrett, who you could sign for cheap on a deal, right? Mitchell's obviously going to be more expensive. It's a terrible deal. Right. And we offered it, which is what I think. I think they're trying to appease everyone because we would have cleared house. Right. And we would have traded Randall away. It would have been Mitchell. It would have been IQ. would have been Obi. would have been the young guys. It would have kind of just been Mitchell and the young guys. Which I think it's the exact opposite, to be honest. Go ahead. Tell me. 
so if they're they're not clearing a house of anybody, they would quickly would have been in the final trade offer, like that, like the exact trade offer that Rhodes reported. It was Fournier quickly, um, RJ, and then two unprotecteds, a top five protected. So the Knicks lose that. Which I kind of like, which I kind of, I, I know, I, I know that's that you, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I know. Why do know. you like? Well, so what do you like about it? Because that's where the odds really fall off, right? For the top five picks. But you can only guarantee that you finish in the top five by having the worst possible record, which is not something that you're going to plan to have if Donovan Mitchell's on your team in six years. So that's going to be a pick that you lose anyway. So why is top five protections even part of the calculation? And the larger conversation that is it, I have it, a it problem with, it it, it, A, it blocks yeah. you from doing literally anything to improve the roster going forward. But why is that the line in the sand? Why is a top five protection? Why are you even offering the pick? And even better, if they walked away because RJ's an untouchable, I can be like, you know what? They believe in the kid. It's why you understand Danny Ainge not trading Jalen Brown for Kawhi or um, um, the Sixers not trading Tyrese Maxey or all these other examples. The Toronto not even entering the Kevin Durant sweepstakes because they believe in Scotty Barnes. If you have a young controllable piece that you believe in as a prospect, they're not even part of the conversation. And if the Knicks had had that, I'd be more comfortable with it. The evaluation of top five protections being the deal breaker here seems like you don't know what you're doing. It's an, like, I, you just said it would be a bad trade. I can't credit the but Knicks. That's the thing. For, but that's, but that, because we're upset that we, we don't have Donovan Mitchell. We offered everything to the point. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. Okay, it's, I'm just, it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's ups- it's more upsetting for the fact of like how they went about trying to get Donovan Mitchell. Like you have to saying that you want saying that you value a top five protected pick over the kid that you drafted third overall is more of an indictment on you. And I say that because you still have Scott Perry. I don't know who else is still in that front office, but he was part of that administration that wanted the kid. All right. He was also part of that administration that wanted Mitchell Robinson. So when you, when you have, and if you're investing in Scott Perry to stay here, that means you believe in his talent evaluation. You believe in his deal making. So this is where it's an indictment still on the front office. Like it all comes together. So if you wanted what the Knicks needed to do, and this is how it would really work. RJ is untouchable. They come asking for RJ knocking on the door. You say no. The picks irrelevant. I don't know who is going to be there in whatever, whatever year that pick was going to be. So was it, let's say it was, uh, 26, uh, what was it? it was 25, 27, 29. So 29, the third pick with the top five protection. Who's going to be there? Why are you even worried about who's going to be there in a the top five? That doesn't even make sense. It's, and if you were trading yeah. for Donovan Mitchell, who wants to be in New York, like the Knicks should, like as Claudia pointed out, like he should be here for six years. If if the Knicks are that bad where they trade a player he's only who is on contract for three, four if he if he opts in, right? And he leaves after six years, that's also an indictment on the front office. Like that's that's how my thought process sure. is as well, where you you can't say, I'm going to invest all of this for a guy and then just worry about the last piece, which is well, we want to control our future. Your future is not going to be tanking if you have Donovan Mitchell on this team. Like you're not going to even be close to that. We have Julius Randle, who's not even in that stratosphere of <laughs> Donovan Mitchell, and we still can't even tank with him. So, like, if you bring Donovan Mitchell on here, you're not tanking. That, and if he's here for that long, it does not matter. So, what the Knicks needed to do was say RJ's untouchable. All the picks can go, and then you got to figure out all the other players that you want to add in there. That would have been the right thing. 
I just don't see like all, being all over the place, starting off with uh, when it comes out to Obi and Fournier, then quickly, and then RJ. It's just all over the place. There was no strategy that went into this. And it, that's where my lack, I start to question this front office is that we've seen them do good strategic things for trading. We understood even, even when whiffing on free agency, I could say at least there was a thought process I can get behind. You want to take the risk on Kemba Walker because if he does have a bounce back season, okay. You want some playmaking Evan Fournier? Okay. This for a star to me made absolutely no sense. And that's where I'm like, where is this front office doing when it comes to an actual superstar that's that's available? And you know what would even be better is to look at what you have on your roster and say, we can try to trade, but we really don't have all the assets to make this trade. Because Cleveland clearly did. No, we had a better offer on the table. So that's the yes, thing. Yes, that would have okay. that that wiped us. That's the thing. It's a bad offer. Whether it's a better offer or not, it's still a bad offer. I... I I listen. There is no human being happier on the earth that the that the, this trade didn't go through because I am the one that's been crying since the Melo trade about how we ruined the franchise every single time we mm. trade everyone for someone that looks cute, that looks nice, doesn't play defense. Right? It's always the same story, and we trade everything. We trade our picks. We trade our guys, whether we drafted them, whether we, we trade cap space, we trade everything for these cute, for these, you know, nice little, okay, yeah, you're going to score 35 points and we're going to lose by 45. Like, it, and it was, so when that trade came through, when it first said, I think Woj first did the Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs. So then I was like, oh, this is the worst. Like, here we go. My phone's blowing up. I was working at the time too. So I'm like, here we go. Like the gauntlet's about to come. And then I saw the the package and I said, amazing, because if all they did was switch RJ for Sexton, I would have been pissed. Like, just that, just like the same exact with the two swaps so you can control everything with the undrafted picks, I would be pissed off. But where I'm going to, I guess, you know, in, in Nick's Twitter theme, I'll say I'm being the company man here. And like, I'm speaking from the Nick side. We did everything. We negotiated in good faith. We know that we have a history with Ainge and with CAA. So we didn't even put Leon Rose in the room, right? So I had nothing to do with that. Obviously, we put a deal that was so over the top that our fan base doesn't even want, right? Our fan base is completely irrational and that we want to trade everything for, for everyone and we get pissed off about literally everything. We were going to light the whole place on fire because we didn't drive Dennis Smith Jr., right? Like we are, we are ready to be irrational. We still didn't want this trade, but we tried. We did everything we could. And now, just kind of shut up. Like we, 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 we paid RJ Barrett, right? We got him for a deal that wasn't the max. Everyone was screaming about Berman about, Oh, you don't want the max. You hate RJ. And he was kind of right. Like we, 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 we got a deal on RJ Barrett. We dropped the PR the same day. We knew this was going to be a blowback for RJ, right? We know, we know the issue was, Oh, you, you don't respect your own guys. Like how can you treat RJ like this? So we, we signed him on that same exact day. We made him feel like the star. We did the PR stunt. It didn't look great, right? I mean, that whole week was, I wish, the only thing I wish, like, the Knicks fans knew, like, I wish I knew, is I wish I knew that that was, like, a funeral for Donovan Mitchell, right? That that first day when it was like, all right, we got RJ, you know, we're going to sign him. And then there was, like, two or three days of, oh, my God, does this mean we can still trade him? You know, Jeremy was on, you know, Knicks film school, like, oh, you can still trade him, but it's a poison pill. And, you know, he's going, you know, we're, we're I wish I just knew that that day it was, okay, we moved on from Mitchell and now RJ's officially our guy. And that's kind of what they did. I, maybe the optics look horrible, 
But if you're RJ Barrett, are you that pissed? Probably. Honest to God, you really th- you really think he's that? I-, I think now this just means it's officially his team. I think I think he's getting paid the most. They're gonna move Randall like everybody wants, and then he's gonna be getting paid more than Jalen Brunson, who everyone thinks is overpaid. So it's gonna be RJ's team. And this is where to counterpoint. Um, it's not RJ's team yet. He's currently third on the depth chart in usage or at least tracked to be third on the depth chart in usage. Jalen Brunson is going to have the ball more than him. Julius Randle is going to have the ball more than him. And it's why, as things currently sit, I do not... I'm sorry, I just I don't like the process. And as far as their evaluation of talent, that you're not ready to... In, you're ready to include quickly in Ovi and RJ and all these trades. And then when the trade falls through, you still have veterans ahead of two of them in the depth chart. So you can't even appreciate their value. You're not going to be able to see how high those, those values can go as the roster currently stands, which is why if they had gone all in, I would have hated it, but I like, okay, the consolidation move they did was they traded all these kids said, screw you to the entire fan base. And we got Donovan Mitchell and then that's the team. And we're going to see what their next move would have been. I'm, I have no idea what the move <laughs> that would have been the worst been. team ever, man. I, just, I don't know what the ceiling <laughs> yeah. on that team is because yeah. they would have needed. Danny Ainge was determined to gut the Knicks because Donovan Mitchell wanted to come here. They were pissed about them going to that Dallas Utah playoff game, and so as a result, out of spite, he was ready to clean the Knicks' house. But I don't, I don't have the optics of giving RJ the extension, not announcing it until it's a counter announcement to the Donovan Mitchell <laughs> yeah. trade. It's just not how you tell your young quote unquote star or rising star that you believe in him. You're using him to, to deter bad PR, not as a celebration that we signed you to a long term commitment. Like my, if they jumped out of a plane without a parachute, just because they land on their two feet, I don't give you credit. You still jumped out of a plane without a parachute here. And that's where I am at the moment. I'm worried about this team and their ability to, evaluate talent and what actually is the best path forward. Now that can change. And we made that clear last night on the pod. They trade Randall so much this off season. (laughs) But as things currently sit, I have a lot of questions and I have a lot more questions than answers than when the beginning of the summer of Donovan Mitchell started. And I think the questions to add on to that is more so for the fact that where is this team going? Like what the, what direction are we like? Cause it was all last season. It's like play the kids. No, you want to play the vets and you want to win as many games as possible to be a playoff team. Okay. If the Knicks decided to go and say, even though me personally, I wanted to keep RJ on this team. If they traded RJ saying we're moving for Donovan Mitchell because we're trying to compete now, I can at least say, all right, this is their MO. They're trying to compete now. That's why they got Brunson. That's why they're getting Mitchell. This is why they're doing everything they do. I'm like, I don't necessarily agree with it, but at least I see the vision. All right. There's not even a vision. It's just like we're, we're, we're hedging our bets. We're like, well, if we can get Donovan Mitchell on the cheap in our eyes, that's a win for us. And it's like, well, if we don't, then what are we going to do? We're just going to keep the same team. Are we going to go young? Are we going to get rid of Fournier? Are we going to get rid of Randall? Like that's the stuff that needs to happen next to say, Oh, so now we're going to appreciate the young kids. But if you're just going to keep it status quo as we did last year, now it's like, what the fuck are we doing? And that, that's where I get it. That's that. That's where I get irritated. To piggyback on your your point you just made, Alex, 
it's why my questions are also their evaluation of the talent on this roster. I think they'd win more games if you saw more of Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly. And we saw that that final 14 game stretch, they went nine and five with OB and IQ averaging over 25 minutes a game. Now I understand like the rosters they were playing were teams playing out the string, but I also saw a more competitive team that was more fun to watch. They, they played with pace. They, the Miami game in particular, where they came back against the Miami team in the fourth quarter on the road that was trying to get the number one seed and Emmanuel quickly almost by himself let a comeback with Randall watching from the sideline. Um, I'm not, I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt that they know the best roster or the rotation to play, their evaluation of the talent in play that will lead to more wins. I know what their philosophy is, and that's why we try to take what we believe and what we think out of the conversation when we talk over a KFS, but it is a fair concern. Like, well, do you understand? Like, do you know what the best rotation is? Like, do you know that? Playing Randall like 25 minutes and OB 23 would actually be the better plan? Or are we looking at like OB playing eight minutes on opening night and standing so, in the corner for two? And rotations? this is, and, and it's fair to be skeptical because when you start seeing P, when you talk about PR, you're like, we value the youth that we have on this team and we believe in them and this, that, and the third. And then you're ready to gut the entire youth that you have. Exactly. Yeah. Or for Donovan Mitchell, it's like, so you never did believe in them. Because no, but they do. You, they, it's over. How do you? Like how, no, because they. No, 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 no. If you're they, ready to gut the team, if you're ready to gut the team for Donovan Mitchell, that doesn't that wait. That's just that's just selling tickets at this point, and not really not asking linear. to win. It's not linear, man. I I I think they did. They, they were actually negotiating in good faith, and then once the trade didn't go through. They pivoted and then they said, you know what? Like, but, but, but negotiating good, nego- negotiating good faith doesn't necessarily mean it's a strategic and thoughtful negotiation. I'm not asking for them to like, like, I, I get it. You have to give up something in order to get something. It's not good. It's not, it's not going to be comfortable. You shouldn't feel comfortable. If you start swindling people, you know, that's when you start feeling like you, that's when you start knowing you got a bad, you're, you're doing bad negotiations. When I look at Cleveland, they did a good job negotiating. They, they still have a starting caliber roster. They didn't gut the team. They were able to trade a lot of, you know, role players, players that they didn't want and still trade assets, being like their draft picks, knowing that we should be a good team. All right. We're taking a gamble because we don't know if Donovan Mitchell wants to be here long term, but we're going to take that gamble regardless. And we're going to feel uncomfortable by trading all those draft picks to do so. Knicks, it just, what, what do, do you value the youth of the players? Because you're ready to include all of them. But you, you you value your draft picks who you have no idea who's going to be there in the future, yeah, which like, is even do, more questionable. Do, does Boston value Jalen Brown? Like, of really? course they yeah. do. Of course they yeah. do. And you know they were ready to trade him. It's okay. Like I don't, I don't. That's why I don't think it's all linear. I, oh, go ahead, Claudio. I just they were willing to trade him a for four years of control for Kevin Durant, and he's already expressed concern and frustration about it, and he can leave in a year for one of the biggest contracts ever. So that's why they were willing to trade Jalen Brown. It's two different timelines that we're talking about. But to your point about Jalen Brown, they did show that they value Jalen Brown by not trading him for Paul George, not trading him for Kawhi when he was on a, a, a rookie scale controllable contract. And that asset mattered more. And it's why, again, if they had said, we value these kids too much, Utah, go elsewhere. And that was the summer. They'd be like, damn, like... 
I don't. I we really missed out on a, another star becoming available, but they they okay. they value the the players currently on the roster for the line in the sand that they drew to be top five protections on a 2029 pick makes no sense, especially as a negotiating tool. When Danny Ainge made it clear from the beginning, that's the only thing that mattered to him. The last thing I'll add about Jalen Brown, Danny, the last thing I'll add about Jalen Brown before you get to that is that Jalen Brown and Tatum also went to a finals together this past year. So then to be included well, into a trade after a, you just made the finals. Reason. Yeah, it's even less of a reason to want to trade him. Yeah. It's even more egregious. It's not though. Exactly. You're adding yeah. on to a team that ceiling was make it to the finals. Like the Knicks, we don't know how, if the ceiling is the play in or, or like the six seed with Donovan Mitchell. So you're willing to gut the roster to be a six seed with Mitchell, but you're confident in his offensive ability that you could build around that for the next, he's 25. So the next 10 years is what you're hoping. And like the Jalen Brown, if that's a trade, it's taking a team that was two wins away from a title and adding Kevin Durant. The Knicks, it would be gutting any hope or potential pop of one of these kids, especially since RJ's in this deal and all your draft capital for just the unknown of how you build a team after that, which is why I, I'm sorry, I can't get on board with that process. I don't see the path to anything extensional, extensionally better after that. Okay, so you're going to be good with getting rid of Fournier and Randall all of a sudden, like now the direction of the team is good because now we could play Obi a couple more minutes, right? Not a from couple. I want max minutes for Obi. Yes. I mean, what do, I mean, I'm a big, okay. I'm, I'm, a big I'm, 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 I'm yeah. very concerned. I'm telling you right now, I'm very concerned about Obi Toppin playing starter minutes against real power forwards in this league. I know that's, I'm not allowed to say it out loud. You know, that's blasphemy, <laughs> you know, in our spaces, but he's going to get, Absolutely murdered on the boards. And if someone puts their back to him, like they're going to eat him up in the paint. Like Carl Anthony Towns might drop 45 on Obi Top. Maybe. And (laughs) what they can do offensively, which Benji's done a really good job of highlighting just how much more important offense is today, which is why he was very pro trade what you can for Donovan Mitchell. What they can do offensively with Jalen Brunson on the floor, with RJ on the floor, and you already have Mitchell Robinson who's going to clog the paint, but with Obi and Grimes playing off of them, two guys that don't need the ball to succeed, would have been much more fun, much more successful. You could play with that pace that Tibbs likes to push, and that would have been an option, which is why Fournier going elsewhere is more about seeing what you can if if Grimes appreciates, plus you talk about defense, Grimes significantly better defender than a Fournier. And look, I may be looking at the last 14 games and being a little naive. I just know this team was much more fun to watch with Obi Toppin on the floor. And the point here is not how many games is this team going to win with Obi Toppin. Let me see what it looks like. I know how many teams this can win with Julius Randle with fans in the stands. Which is why, how many? I honestly don't because it could be either or, right? I don't think he'll be as bad as last year. I don't think that 2021 we here season is ever happening again, which is sure. why I, if they listen, this is probably going to turn into the, the rest of the September of Julius Randle. If we just had the summer of Donovan <laughs> Mitchell, I don't, I don't know how you're successful if he isn't either significantly lowered in role or on a different team. 
Because if he's or playing the same board. high volume minutes and the same high usage player that he was, that's shooting 30% from three and 40% from the field, there's your way to tank for Wembenyama because the offense is running to Julius Randle again. And so, on top of that, like, or he has to like learn how to be a completely off ball player, which yeah. is just not going to happen. But that, that's happen. honestly my biggest campaign for Obi is that it's more possessions for RJ. It actually becomes RJ's team. Obi could take seven shots a night and because he's opportunistic with his shots, like, oh, five of them were alley oops, two of them were put back dunks. Sure. You know? he'll, play Sean, that, he'll play the Sean Marion role. But but what 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 where where, where, where there's a sticking point for me here. And like we started this conversation talking about how you both of you guys are are honestly upset for the Knicks offering RJ, right? And for for the Knicks offering not just the picks, but also you know the stickler being the top five. That that seems to be the main point here. And I'm kind of pushing back is to say you know I, I agree with you. It was a lot. I'm happy they didn't make the trade. It would have been crazy. But I'm I'm not off on this front office because they wanted to make. We moved on. And now all they have to do is get rid of Fournier and Julius Randle, two players that they've been rumored to be trying to get rid of this front office for now six and a half months, right? I think since, let's call it since last February, right? Since the deadline, we've been talking about getting rid of Fournier, getting rid of Randle. We know mm-hmm. they want to get rid of them. Now it's time for, you know, Bever- you know, Patrick Beverly jokes about how, you know, he had to wait until the KD thing happened so that he can, he can get moved, which seemingly should have nothing to do with each other. I mean, at this point, don't you think that the Fournier and Randall deals maybe will, will will get the ball rolling here? You don't think that they might trade them at this point now? If Fournier might have went for, for Mitchell, John, I said it. If they do it, all is forgiven. Like but I'm, that's I'm with that's you what's on crazy. That. That's what's crazy to me, right? That, see, like I, I, th- that's my. I guess that's my second point here. I'm, I'm not trying to get at you guys, but you're good. This is good podcasting. Yeah, that's where that that's where my that's where my issue is because. All of a sudden, if they just do the thing that they've been trying to do since last February, they're going to get, they're going to get literally nothing back for those two players. All of a sudden, all is forgiven for this RJ, you know, trade because and we, train the young guys. Now we have, we a start to get a direction. We Thank start you. to get the direction. It's like, it's, it, it makes sense to say, Oh, I wouldn't say I'm completely like back on board. Like, Oh yeah, everything's great. Cause the negotiations would still be like, all right, I'm not as highly concerned. I'm still concerned because your negotiation tactics are all off base, <laughs> but. As long as you could say, all right, we, we fucked up. We got to move with the youth because we got to see what their value is, increase their value and actually give this team a fair shot instead of competing for something that we shouldn't probably even be competing for to begin with. We're not, we're not even there to be competing for a championship, but yet we're just trying to compete for a 10 spot. Like this is Orlando magic type of nonsense where what they're now doing, which is guys, we got to play the youth. We're going to suck, but we got to accumulate more talent on this team to get better because being the ace seed doesn't make any sense. It's just mediocrity and it's going to be very difficult to add talent. It's going to be difficult to, and it's been, it's been very difficult to bring talent into New York, which is, we just saw how difficult it was just to even do a trade. Guys aren't doing free agency. This is the way to start correcting it. This was plan A, dude. This was plan A. Get, get Bronson and figure it out and, possibly move in the direction of the young guys, which I do think is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota happened with Danny, with Danny Angel Gobert. And then all of a sudden, everybody knew they had to have a fire sale. It came out of nowhere. I don't think that the, the Knicks, in my crazy head, maybe I have a tinfoil hat. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. They thought the summer of Donovan Mitchell was next year. That's yeah. So do you, that's what do you, we you all, all we heard too. Yeah. I'm sure. But so you don't, you won't, you don't believe in like having like a line in the sand saying, 
This is what's untouchable. Like you love RJ Barrett. You didn't want RJ Barrett to go in the deal. Of course right? not. So you're not, so you're not upset with the front office saying we're going to give up our best player, like in a deal when should I have move been. on, bro. I'm happy it didn't happen. Like I move on. Like it's all good. He signs, he signed for the extension. Hey, listen, if he wasn't signed for the extension, it would have been an issue. You know what I'm trying to say? Because you're telling me it's all good if they trade Fournier and Randall. To me, that's innocuous to RJ Barrett. You know what I'm saying? I don't think RJ Barrett's not, happiness. I don't think it's, it's not, innocuous. It's Those not. are two guys you, that command shots. Yeah. Listen, I don't think RJ Barrett just, is, is going to go home. I, I don't get, sleeping happy or unhappy whether or not Fournier and Randall are on the team. I think it'll be more fun if he's with OB and IQ or. I absolutely Bryce. think he will. His incentives in a contract that me. Like his money goes up if he makes the All Star team and the All NBA team. He's same thing with Randall. Rand- Randall needs touches, man. Randall yeah. needs to get those incentives too. Like, These guys need the ball to make guys- more money. I understand. Like that's it's how weird to us that like how could you not be okay with 106 million dollars? But RJ's likely bonuses will turn into unlikely sure. bonuses, like Julius Randall's contract just did, if he doesn't have the ball. Which is why they weren't. The Knicks, I think, were done, which would have been a problem if they the, the day of free agency it was just signed Brunson, signed Mitch, <laughs> yeah. Isaiah Hartenstein. Because no, <laughs> yeah. you still have a logjam on this roster, which is why shout out to Jeremy was always reassuring me they're not done. We've got yeah. more moves to to look forward to. I agree. And then, like you said, what everything we heard is they were looking for other potential suitors, but that it's most likely going to be that Randall's on the roster. And we're now at the point where if in the next three weeks they actually do what we said needed to be done this entire offseason and move on from this contract, okay, now I can call this offseason successful. But it was incomplete when the summer of Donovan Mitchell started, not a success. And now when you don't even go in on – you go – you went all in on Donovan Mitchell, but just not all the way enough, I guess is a better way Thank to God. put it. Thank God. But that's my thing. We're thanking yeah. God for them not doing yeah. this trade, not commending them for not doing yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, you're, <laughs> you're, the lucky part is that the Cavs said, we're going to give you this offer. Don't go back to the Knicks. And Danny Andrews like, bet. I won't. <laughs> Let's do this. Jeremy had the analogy last night. If I swing at you to punch you in the face, <laughs> if I miss, you don't be like, thank God you didn't hit me. Claudio didn't hit me in the face. I got no problem with Claudio. I still tried to punch you in the face, John. That is a problem. Uh, uh, it's funny because that exact because line, oh, it's a weird, I still try yeah. to punch you in the face, John, is exactly the same line that was used on Nick's film school. Except just yes. differently. Yes. The only difference is <laughs> the only difference is Danny Ainge, in my opinion, was never gonna hit the accept button. Right, it's fantasy football season. He was never going to accept this trade. Then, if never. they had walked away sooner, I'd have so much more appreciation and respect for the process. If they were like, he's not going to accept any deals that we make, we know we have the best offer to give him, regardless of RJ's in the package or not. We're walking away. And if Ainge had come back to the table and been like, I can't find anything else, I'm willing to do a trade with the Knicks. And if the reporting we got was the Knicks drew a hard line in the sand of like certain players on the roster are off limits. And we don't think the Jazz are negotiating in good faith. Fine. Their willingness to not only make the offer they made, but then continue to allow it to be reported that they made the offer they made is such bad PR and such bad optics and not a culture that anybody's going to want to complain with. So sign, be the first person to sign a long-term extension as a first-round pick. What's going to happen the day they announce? They're going to report across the world that you are willing to be traded for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I got no. you. I got you there. I mean, 
it, it, it doesn't look great, but at the same time, I honest to God, in, in my, again, my crazy brain, call it whatever you want, I think that Fournier and Randall are going to be traded. So then, then, then for you guys, you're about to God to go lucky. And I'm back down to DEFCON yeah, 4 exactly. if Everything's going to be great. So that's why like, I, I honestly truly believe that because to be honest with you, I don't think Tibbs wants that headache. And, and then this is my true conspiracy hat. There's too much nice talk about Russell Westbrook going on from <laughs> Lakers players like Beverly Outward coming out saying, I love Russell Westbrook. And Jeannie Buss coming and saying, I love Russell Westbrook. And LeBron saying, I can't wait to play with Russell Westbrook. That just makes it seem like, you know, like, like talk about movie references, like don't Joe Pesci going in the room. He's a made man. Like that's everyone's doing a Russell Westbrook right now. And they're about to trade him so fast. <laughs> and I think that we're going to be part of that equation. I hate to say it. I think where they're playing C or maybe even they're playing D at this point. The Lakers guy that we talked to was like plan A is Kyrie, plan B is uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, plan C has become Conley and Bogdanovich, and plan D is whatever the Knicks can offer. And then, look, yeah, it's, it's to get Russ and buy him out and, as Alex mentioned, like pivot to an actual plan rather than a half measure. And like, you guys watch Breaking Bad? Did you see the show? Okay, no, the, I made that I have. Okay, so I made the analogy yesterday that there's a consequential scene in the show about so like the whole concept of the show is a character named Walter White is a chemistry teacher, right? <laughs> that because he knows chemistry, he's the greatest meth cook in the Midwest. And he's balancing a life of being half that chemistry teacher that is also dying of cancer and just wants to leave his family a little bit of money. And because of his knowledge and his expertise is actually experiencing power. And the name of his like famous name as a cook is Heisenberg. And then there's a scene in season three where someone says to him, like, you got to choose one, no more half measures. And my message to Leon Rose is no more half measures. You are either a tanking team, which I don't even know if it's tanking. I don't even like to call it that word. Tanking is so much more egregious than what I think the Knicks would do. You are a developing (laughs) team that has pivoted to the youth to see what they are. And they're all part of the solution in the future. And the record doesn't matter. Or you're going with a veteran-led roster with Tom Thibodeau coaching, which is why at least if you had traded for Donovan Mitchell... I would have hated the deal, but it makes sense as a plan. Whether I like the plan or not, it's at least a plan. There are half measures on this roster right now. If you trade Randall, you trade Fournier, it's much more of a direct plan. And Derek Rose, by the way, too. It's much more of a, of a direct plan. Jeez. And listen, that expiring hurt. contract. At this point, hurt, their man. best value as, an expire, as, a, as a trade Ooh. piece. My point that is, hurts, you, ma- you do those deals, John... I can at least be like, all right, they've pivoted to a plan, a direct full measure that I can appreciate. That's fair. Yeah. Oh man. That, that was good, Donovan. That was good. That was good Donovan Mitchell talk. Mm. Very good, Donovan. And, and on this, I think we could just close the book on that. I just chapter. can't wait. I just can't wait till Fournier and Randall are traded so I can come back to you guys with a big big hug, big smile, tell you everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can start the season on a good note. We've been at this for months is the problem. I need somebody so to actually... Report, but that's the not the domino. Fell. That's not the domino I'm talking about. The Randall domino could have been done way before Donovan Mitchell got traded. True. I need to know that this front office actually is like prioritizing trading him, is my point. The only people talking about trading him is us. Right <laughs> that's true. That's a good <laughs> yeah. point. And we're, we're not... We're not and only very few of us in this circle 
i.e. Macri, CP, those guys who actually get sources. <laughs> we're we're just we're just talking about yeah. it because please help us yeah. help you so that way we can go and be excited. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? Bingo. <laughs> oh man. Well let's close this book. This chapter, I should say, this chapter on, on the Donovan Mitchell saga. It'll probably come back up sometime because I don't know if he wants to say it on Cleveland. Even though he posted that picture of him in a Cleveland jersey, I'm like, give it some time. Really, what was bro? the jersey though? Who was the jersey? I don't even know. It was LeBron? I don't even know. What number was it? I didn't see. Wasn't I, I didn't it LeBron? See. Have, I think it might have been LeBron. I mean, he's what young he enough. He didn't to, have LeBron James jersey. I'm, I mean, that's what I'm saying at this like, point. Like, if he po- posted a, a Tracy McGrady T Mac jersey. It's not because he wanted to go play in Toronto. It's because T Mac and that jersey was one of the coolest jerseys growing up. It's great PR, man. It's yeah. just a great PR. That actually is. Is, that, that that does make me feel really old though. That Donovan Mitchell's a little kid wearing LeBron jerseys. Yeah, tell me about feel, it, dude. Yeah, that, tell me about it. It's weird. It is also why when someone like when Jalen Brunson and RJ and some of these guys post young themselves when when young versions of themselves in Knicks jerseys. That's how you know they were Knicks fans. There wasn't a player other than Melo that was universally loved exactly. around the country. Like seeing a Spree jersey. Jer- a Spreewell jersey for Obi Top. It's like, oh, you grew up a Knicks fan. Okay. Pretty soon, pretty soon they're gonna start wearing Mellow jerseys, and that's gonna make me feel really weird. Very much so. <laughs> Although maybe Mellow jersey from 2022 is why they're they're wearing it. That, that at this point, I, I feel like he should go to Denver, but that's just me. I, I think he should do a never happened, John. That's never, never happened. happened. <laughs> you don't think they, so? does he have bad blood? So much bad blood. They I gave his ju- they, they gave his number to Jokic. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. What if, what if he rocks a number seven? I, the, the, he, I, okay. I'm more confident in Julius Randle playing on a different team next year. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Carmelo that's Anthony fair. playing for Denver. <laughs> I hope those both happen now. Yeah. Send the Randle yeah. to the Hornets <laughs> and Carmelo in, in Denver. In Denver. Yeah. I just want all your dreams to come true. I, th- this is like, we, we, we know, we know Mets October's right around the corner. Oh, don't bring them up. Don't, don't, we know bring the them Jets, <laughs> you know, the Jets <laughs> season's right about to start. We need to we need to keep it as positive as possible. <laughs> so let's so let's so let's yeah. switch to so let's switch to some positivity. Uh oh. Ah, yeah, switch. There you go. <laughs> let's switch it up. All right. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk some New York Jets today. All right. Week one, as baby. A tra- week one tradition that we started here is having Claudio on, having us having break down uh, the, the the entire season, getting some feeling on the Jets uh, and where we're going with this season. And come on, it's optimism at this point. Just pure optimism. Nothing's happened yet. They went undefeated during preseason. Let's so go. So that's a good thing. <laughs> Did they now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's talking, talking about the Ravens. Somebody's mentioning the Jets out here, Claudio. <laughs> we got you. We got you with the real important facts. There you uh, go. Et cetera. Jets undefeated. In the preseason, uh, shout out to you last year. Uh, you're def- we were definitely more on the optimistic side going over the schedule. Uh, but you were right for like the first like four or five weeks, but it was pretty easy because it's like L, 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 L. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we, had, we had like one win. You're like, so that was fun. Uh, this year in j- last, okay, last year we had it on paper, according to the NFL, one of the hardest schedules in the league. This year we've been blessed. So it's, a little bit easier. However, it's got the first four games, and we know that NFL players and NFL coaches, especially, like to break up the season in quarters. 
the first four games of the season is versus the entire AFC North. So it it really starts off really, really tough for the New York Jets. But before we even get to that, in the preseason, we had Zach Wilson hurt. So we're recording here on Tuesday. We're going to find out tomorrow if he's officially, quote-unquote, okay to play. So I'll just throw it up to you first. And then, Alex, I want to hear what you think. Do you guys want Joey Flacco, the elite Joe Flacco, to go (laughs) up against the Baltimore Ravens? Yes. With a lot of rookies, honestly, in their, in their, on their defense, but one of my favorite defenses, one of my favorite rookie draft class in general, owning on special teams. We know Harbaugh. Or do you want Zach Wilson coming back, which I think like literally one month or one week ago, we were all in shambles <laughs> after, after the, you know, him throwing an interception and then the non-contact knee injury. So Claudio, week one, if he's able to play, do you want Zach Wilson or do you want Joey Flacco going against the Ravens? Um, you gotta hope that he's, if he's healthy enough to play, that he'll play, you know? Um, I, this is where I'm honestly going to turn to to you guys. Scary, I, to- though. I told you before we started that my, my knowledge of the Jets, my focus of the Jets has become much more casual over, over the summer. However, just your for franchise value, quarterback is your franchise exactly, quarterback. Exactly. If, if you're telling me that you're, but, so that's where I'm going to ask you guys. If he's not a hundred percent, of course you don't play him, but if he's 75, is there enough of a difference? Okay. So I'm getting two <laughs> yeah, heads God shaking. No. God two no. heads shaking. No. So this is a, I'll go with you guys across the board. No, don't. Okay, Hell no. Do, I do not want to see Zach Wilson week one. First of all, okay, thank God. Just give me, jo- just give just, just give me Joe Flacco week one. Get me the revenge game against the Baltimore Ravens because you know, there's going to be something in the tank for, for Joe Flacco to say, I'm going to show you guys and <laughs> take you all out. And as he comes out with his walker, you know, trying to bomb a 70 yard ball, uh, to Elijah Moore, which will just help me fantasy wise, but that's another story. <laughs> but <laughs> hey, I have two, two keepers in two different leagues. All right. Elijah Moore, wide receiver one of the New York Jets I'm calling it right now. Uh, yeah, I don't need to see Zach Wilson potentially get injured again. So that's why I'm just let him rest. Let him, let him get ready for the, the, the entire season. It's a long season, 17 games. Just give me Joe Flacco week one. Don't even don't even tease this. Don't even tease right. the idea of him coming back. All right, just and just so we're on this game, is this a win for the home opener for Flacco against the Ravens? Yes. No. I'm oh. calling it a win. Okay, we're going with okay, we're going with the L. See, okay, this is so. where this is where where you watch the team too much and you're too optimistic. I'm just gonna be wrong. Claudio's probably gonna be more right than no, I. Yeah. I'm I'm look, look, I they're young. I know the Jets are young. I know that they had a good draft by all the talent evaluators. I, what I said to, we had Peter Schrager on the pot a couple of weeks ago and yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. What I said to I him, Shrigs. what I said to him was, I'm really less concerned about the record. If they have what the Lions had last year, they were thir- 313 and one, which sucks, but they were 11 and six against the spread. Give me 17 competitive football games. And let me know that they're actually building towards something where I could be like, dang, and like a couple bounces to go a different way. And this team is like eight and nine and I'll take it. So if they're six and 11 at the end of this year, yeah, that sucks. But if they're like 12 and five against the spread and all these games were close and it took Justin Tucker breaking records in order for us to lose games, then like I'll, I'll sign up for that right now. I also just, you know, hopefully the quarterback is more of a solution and still a question. 
going forward, you know? Claudio, if the what? Jets go 12 and 5 against a spread, I am a rich man. Well, well, you should am, also want them to go. I am this is like this is like my number one Achilles heel. Uh-huh. I can be objective about every other team, uh, especially when we're talking spreads, when we're talking games, when we're picking anything. But when it comes to the Jets, I'm like, oh, they got this. Oh, plus 14 and a half. Oh, no problem. Oh, plus seven and a half. Oh, no issue. But they never cover, dude. This is the issue with the Jets in general. But I, I, I don't convince myself that at 1250. Uh, on kickoffs, but right now I know that they never cover games. So let's stick with the first four, though. We got Ravens at home, and then we're at the Browns for their home opener. Back home versus the Bengals. Don't forget Mike White game last year. <laughs> and then at the Steelers, I mean, they, they have to have that circle highlighted in every single color waiting uh-huh. to play the Jets again. And then week four at the Steelers don't have a quarterback, but they do have an elite defense. But before we get into that, you you said you're a little um, a little raw on the Jets, so I'll, I'll give you a quick. We ha- we might have the the best. Well, I guarantee you, we have the best defense that you can possibly remember. Like since like the Revis, Bart Scott, whatever. Whoa. This just since those we have the best. I don't know if that says much, right? Because like we had really horrible defenses in between, mm-hmm. right? So at least like we're getting somewhere back to that realm. We have we have a really. Our, I mean, our edges and our D-line were so – we have so much depth that we're cutting starters, right? We had seven starters that got picked up on the waivers most ever for, for the Jets. Nobody cares about that, but it just means we have a really deep roster, and I think that comes in the secondary, and I think that comes in the D-line. We're not going to guard a single tight, a tight end. We're not going to guard a single running back out of the backfield. This is not going to happen the entire year. It doesn't matter who you are. If, if you have a tight end against the Jets – Take them. If you have a running back that can catch out of the backfield, they're going to murder us. Okay. It's just absolutely going to happen on the offense. Like you said, we have no idea what's going to happen with the quarterback situation. We're loaded on, you know, running backs and wide receivers, but who knows if we can get them the ball and who knows if the offensive line, I mean, there's, it looks good. We'll see if it happens. So we have a lot of questions everywhere, honestly, besides the secondary and the D line. So when I say that and I say, our first four games, you already have an L at home versus the Ravens. Now we're at first energy stadium, which is a horrible name for the Browns home opener with Jacoby Brissett. Is that, is that, is that another L or, we, or could we finally win a game here? That's a W. Okay. Thank God. Cause we're going to come home against the Bengals. And I know that's an L, right? That's an L. Super and then L at Pittsburgh. Man. No Ben Before. Roethlisberger, though. No Big Ben. It's Trubisky no starting there yeah, now, right? right? Well, yes, sir. Right now it's Trubisky. Who knows? It might be picking by week four. Okay. We'll see how that goes. What do you guys think about Pittsburgh? That game. Uh, I think they're going to be an 8-8 eight eight team. Sol- yeah, solid defense, 8-8 eight eight team on the way, just because that's what Tomlin does. Eight, right? I mean... 8-9. Eight, 8-9. Eight eight it oh, can't true, be 8-8. Eight eight. Eight yeah, 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 you're right, you're right, right. But Tom, so you know, Tomlin's tough. never That's had same. <laughs> it took me, Tomlin, it took me a little bit. Yeah. Tomlin's never had a season less than 500 with the Steelers. So, so nine and eight. Nine and eight. Yeah, <laughs> nine and eight. literally nine and eight. Then. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, okay, so this is a W for the Steelers. I mean, the Jets going on the road to Pittsburgh and winning a game—that sounds like banana land. Yeah, me. they've only won there <laughs> once, right? And it's the regular season game in 2010. When yes, they sir. won in, we Mark Sanchez, the, the Jason Taylor safety, yeah, and then they made me cry because Doug O'Brien couldn't make a kick. Uh, that's so. one of the two Pittsburgh losses that made me <laughs> yeah. cry: the Doug O'Brien yeah. and then the twenty-four unanswered to start the twenty-one on twenty-four unanswered to start second the game, half. and then can't get yeah. off the field after Sanchez gets that second touchdown. All right, yeah. so you have us at 
one, one and four. Alex, where are you at? Our first four. Uh, we're going uh, two and two. One and so three. The Ravens one and three. Is a, yeah. You're one and three, but Alex, you have the Ravens win. What's your other win? Browns. Oh, starting two and no. Jets start two and no. Everyone might explode because right now ESPN has them drafting 31 everywhere behind the Texans and it's driving oh, me crazy and it's driving, uh, New York producer Greg crazy. Okay. So I'm going to go two and two as well. I, I, I'll take the, I'll take the Browns and Steelers and lose to the Bengals mm. and, and Ravens who are just better teams. I, I think, I think we're better than the Browns and Steelers to be honest with you. So I'll go two and two there. Lose the two games at home, which is tough, but we don't have much of a home field. I'm sorry. <laughs> we just don't. Uh, week five oh, at home, media day, just holding their first ever media day here at the, with the Dolphins coming into town. Listen to this, Claudia. I don't know if you know this. Do you know that Joe Douglas on the Jets has never won a division game? That I knew. Yes, oh, that I knew. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. okay, so I, I, I'm going to leave this one as a standalone. This one better be a win. Week five, first division game. It better be a win at home, especially if we're 0-2 at home already. Claudio, can I have this win? I'm. You can have it. I'm picking an L. I'm high on oh, Miami this year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's an L. All right, Alex, he has us a 1-4. We're home against the Dolphins. Why do I feel like to get over 500? No. Oh, it's a, ch- it's a chance for us to get over 500? Yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, we're two and two, right? You have us at two and two as well. All yeah, right, so we're not yeah, okay. So not I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for that W here. We're at Lambeau. I'm gonna be at that game. There is a zero yeah, percent chance, zero percent <laughs> chance that we're gonna win. So I'm gonna take it, obviously, in my dumb Jets brain. This is what I'm talking about. I'm gonna be there. If I'm at the Jets game, if I'm traveling, Wait, you're going to Lambeau. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like it. super jealous right now. Wow, <laughs> I had to do it as soon as it came out. I actually, we were recording. Uh, I was on the phone because there's like a hotel in Lambeau, but you have to call as soon as the schedule drops. I was on hold for three hours. Oh, wow. And so we had so we started recording. And then while we were recording, they answered me. So I was like, go on mute and like try to do this, like, to, like <laughs> book the room and like go off mute. Like it was, it was quite the debacle. But yeah, that's I a need, bucket list for me to go to Lambeau. That's awesome, man. Congrats. I need to win the game. So it, oh. I know we're not going to, but I need to. So I'm going to count that as a win. And obviously, we're going to lose in Denver, right? We're definitely going to lose in Denver. So that's yes. my rationale here. We'll, we'll, uh, that's a three, ga- that's a three game winning streak for me. Steelers, Dolphins, Packers, which would be unbelievable. We're losing, obviously, Alex, right? To in Green Bay. Oh, 100%. I'm not even, okay. I'm not even, and, I'm not and, and Broncos, <laughs> right? And, Bron- and Broncos, right? We're losing that. Ah, uh, sadly, we're always. Damn, do I have them at one uh, and six when they play? That's what I'm women? saying. Right now, right now, week seven, Claudio. They have a great spread, though, Claudio. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> they just got to cover. Games. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you only have two wins up to here, right? Yeah, up to, only up to, two wins. Uh, up till going into week eight. Oh, jeez. Okay, so I, oh, just, my, I have oh. four wins. I have four wins. Oh, thank God. They, they, they graced me this year where my birthday weekend is not against the Patriots. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but week eight. We are home against- versus the Patriots. I'll be at that game as well, Claudio. I guess I like torture. <laughs> um, I'm not as, okay, I have a question for you guys. Yes. Your are- answer is yes. I already know what you're going to say. The answer is yes. They suck. The, pa- the Patriots <laughs> are not good this year. Everything I read about them. So, we did, so I did my fantasy draft the other night with like my friends from no Patriot got drafted. 
Not, that's not, like a great even, sign. Not even not, Shamondre Stevenson? Not a single Patriot got drafted. Yo, dude, go pick up Shamondre Stevenson. Okay, deal. Fine. Yeah, I, I, I but like, you see what I'm saying? We're, yeah, we're yeah. used to like Gronk, Brady, like all like James White, uh, especially in PPR leagues, yeah. and Welker, and all these other Patriots being part. Like, not even Mac Jones as a look in a two QB league got taken. That's a- a- Andrew, let me give you a gauge on how I know the Patriots are not good this year. Mm-hmm. In my law school league, because I, the law school I attended is out here in Boston. Most of the people that attended are from Boston. I'd say out of the 12 team, out of the 12 people in that league, nine are from Boston. Mm-hmm. If I told you I saw more Jets drafted within the first eight rounds than Patriots players, not even Tom Brady was drafted in the, oh, until like the 11th. That, that should give you an idea. Of how the so, Patriots are feeling for the season, okay. uh, John. I'll um, I'll make you excited about you. That you're going to beat the Patriots. That'll be Joe Joe Douglas's first win Yo, against they better. a division opponent. That's honestly, my that's my second win. That ends the losing streak. They better win that game, Claudio. And honestly, there's a myth going. Well, maybe not a myth, but it just goes so under the radar because it's blasphemy to say anything bad against Bill Belichick. And I get it. I respect mm-hmm. the man to a certain point. I hate his guts. He hates me. It's it's, it's mutual, right? Like <laughs> Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate Tom Brady. Tom Brady hates me. Yeah. He hates the color green. He hates the Jets. Like, we're all on the same page here. But, dude, the guy can't draft. Like, for example, last year, the first and second round pick, both. I mean, Cole Strange, who knows? He might still be good, but he's hurt. Uh, Thornton, I think he's, he's on IR. He might be out for the year. I know he's hurt. After that, it gets pretty dicey. Marcus Jones, our, who knows what in his depth chart he is in the cornerback room, along with Jack Jones, Pierre Strong Jr., their fourth-round pick, literally last in their depth chart behind Ty Montgomery. Remember Ty Montgomery? I remember. Literally behind him. So there's like this there's there's this thing where they just haven't drafted well. They spent a lot of money on uh, tight ends. But listen, dude, they're going to win games. Like James White retired, but they got Shamondre Stevenson. He's going to be good. He's going to catch stuff out of the backfield. Damien Harris will run it. Uh, Hunter Henry, he's going to get touchdowns. John U. Smith, he'll have a you know a bounce back year. Uh, they got Devontae Parker uh, from Miami. Devontae uh, Parker's a Patriot. Yeah, <laughs> Jacoby, <it. laughs> Jacoby okay. Myers. You know what I'm saying? They're going to they're going to get these sneaky wins because it's New England. But I would love this win, man. Alex, can I get this win? Yes, we are getting this win. Oh, unanimous! There you go. This is for this We're is for me win. because I'm going to be at this game. So obviously, I I I physically cannot pick a Jets loss uh, when I'm at the game. That's why I definitely don't bet them. So okay, that's that's how many wins for you right now, Claudio? Two. I'm at two. I'm switching the Pittsburgh game. All right, so we got to win that wins. game. So the, I'll get there three and five because I don't Thank see God. There, there's too much offensive talent, offensive young talent on this roster yep. for me to be like they'll be one in six going into the Patriots game. That'll you be know? so tough because they're, they're resting Buffalo after. That's obviously an L. Yeah, so like three and seven going into the bye makes or three and six going into the bye makes sense to me. Okay, I can't I can't get there with like four and five or even five and four, but three and six does make sense to me. So I'll go three okay. and six. All right. Three and six going to the Biden. At New England, that's an L. No, nah, the Patriots stink. We're going to beat them wow. two times. Yeah. Twice? New England. Holy Dude. shit. I, I was so floored I'm by down. their lack of talent the other day. Oh, I just so was down. like, this is the pay- it, Matt Patricia's calling plays 
An we offense don't know. for them? It's a secret. It's a secret. It could be Joe Brady or it could be Matt Patricia. It's a big oh, secret. Oh, I didn't know Joe Brady's on that. On that yeah. Team. If Joe Brady's there, that changes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they're both. They're both like pretending to call plays. We don't know who's doing it. All right. I think this is a hint of when Popovich was with the Spurs, and we were like, "I'm not picking against the Spurs until they actually lose." And then they like were under or ten games under 500 once. <laughs> it's like, okay, I could start betting against the Spurs. Great. Yeah, I right? think that's where we are with Belichick <laughs> right it? now. We're so like he's the boogeyman. They're going to be ten and seven, and then it's going to take one season where they go four and thirteen for us to be like, all right, woof. Uh, what we're actually seeing makes sense, especially with the roster that they've constructed. And then Matt Patricia becomes the next head coach, and then we can all celebrate. Man. Yeah, no, what do you guys yeah, think about great. the fact that like? McDaniel's not there anymore. Do you think he mattered as far as like what they meant on offense? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so like they're switching up Mac Jones's quarter, uh, uh, coach, offensive coordinator in between year one and year two. That's not great for, for development. You're not even supplanting him with like someone else on the staff. So the scheme stays the same. It's go get the failed Lions coach, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy to watch the Patriots just burn down and crumble. That's what, but you know, it's odd, especially since I live out here that the fans kind of know what's going on, but the media doesn't really know what's going on. The media is like, Oh yeah, it's still the same old Patriots, Mac Jones, you know, the, the next coming of Tom Brady. I'm like, are we all seeing the same to. thing? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, because you don't want, you don't want Billy B to read something wrong uh, that you wrote up. That's, that's bad news. But yo, you think you could beat them in New England in your hometown, Alex? Stop this. Uh, it's not my hometown. <laughs> your hometown? You, you, uh, ain't my hometown. I don't know what the hell you're about. But are, do I think they can be in New England? Yeah. I'm going to take this as an, I'm going to take this as an L just because I okay. feel like home, I got, I got to be like a little too advantageous. Let's start slow. Yo, let's get we, a win. It's hard at, for, let's it's, get a win at home. And it's then hard for the Jets to get to 500 with Alex and Claudio here. So let's, let's try to, mm, let's try to never, see if that's we can never find my goal. But that might. <laughs> see if we can find any wins left here. So we got Chicago here on uh, Thanksgiving yes. week. That has to be a win at home. It has to. Yes. Chicago's I'm just realizing, in the same hold on. So this actually works out perfect because this is how Jet seasons have gone in the past. Exactly. Yeah. They'll win this game. They'll win this game mm-hmm. and they're five and six and the playoff machine becomes available. And it's like, holy <laughs> crap, the Jets like are actually in a playoff. They're in the hunt on the graphic. And then it's, Cody, Minnesota, that's all I asked for. it's Minnesota, Buffalo. Although, listen, and it's Detroit, Jacksonville, me, Seattle. Jeez. If you could give me a Jets in the hunt graphic around Thanksgiving, <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh my God. I would be the happiest person <laughs> on planet Earth. I'm not joking. I would literally. Hang up the damn banner. Like people can make fun of me. Say, yes, hang up the damn banner. If the Jets are in the hunt around Thanksgiving, I have us at five wins going into the bye week. I think Chicago could be our sixth win. Right? Yeah, I have, and they're my fifth. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chicago's okay. their fifth win. I dig it. All right. All right. Minnesota and Buffalo. Else. Lost. Two what else. you got, Alex? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're going to be Chicago. We're going to lose to Minnesota. We're going to lose to Buffalo. And then we Detroit. need we need three out of four wins at the end here with Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami. Can what do you guys think of Detroit this year? I think they're trash. You think they're trash? Yeah, I mean, okay. Yes, I know everyone loves them because uh, Sewell did better. Hard Knocks is cool. They have a lot of good fantasy guys like St. Brown. He did really good. Hawkinson did really well. Ah, uh, I think they suck. DeAndre Swift. Everyone's really hyped about them. 
I can't tell you how many years now somebody's hyped about the Detroit Lions running back before the season starts, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to fantasy. And by week four, you feel like an absolute moron. Whether it's like Amir Abdullah or honestly, go down the list of, of Lions running backs that you drafted in fantasy and how dumb you felt. Like literally by week four, like, oh, I, I have no idea why I did this. That's that, that, that's how it is with Detroit, especially when we're talking around in December. Like this is week 15. Detroit, like, what are they going to be playing for? What is Jacksonville? Yeah, can they, can they actually for? have a running back that lasts the entire season too that doesn't get injured? That would be like – That'd be is, a miracle for them. What on earth is Jacksonville going to be playing for on a Thursday night, three days before Christmas? That, like, like that, that's a really big, nice, that could be a really nice win for the Jets <sighs> at home. What do you think? Yeah, it's audio? tough. You think, we could, you think we could win three in a row? So I'm at staring at the schedule right now. At Seattle, Regino Smith and I showed up. Adams. I showed up to this pot all pessimistic, like, all right, ready to help them figure out how the Jets go six and 11. <laughs> And I'm like, are the Jets going eight and nine this year? And I, oh my god, what are the odds on that? I actually, I you know, I literally took that. I mean, the over. It's a bet for that. No, no, there's a bet. Oh, you mean like actual eight that gets to eight wins? Eight and one, yeah, eight eight and one or better. So here's what I'll (laughs) say: for the purposes of this podcast, yeah, they'll they'll that's a three game winning streak. They'll be eight and eight going into that final week. And then in typical Jet fashion, they'll lose in Miami and it'll cost them a playoff spot. But it'll be that kind of loss that's like, you know what? They're a year away. This is something you build up. The Geno Smith rookie season. Oh, here we go. Literally that. Um, And if I'm being completely honest with myself, they're not beating Belichick twice this year. Yeah. So swapping that second New England win to a loss makes even more sense. So that way they go seven and ten, which is a step forward. They're much more competitive. You you're not. I don't have a bad loss on my projections this year. Like losing in Pittsburgh, like winning a game in Pittsburgh, something you never do. Um, beating the Patriots at home is something that they should do. Winning in Green Bay. <laughs> I don't know. For, for John specifically, winning in Green Bay. Um, if they can get to seven and ten, and these games are competitive, and like you said, they're in the hunt, I'll I'll take it. So seven and ten is what I'll land on. Okay. The, I, don't, I actually just like don't want to wish that on myself that they're eight and eight going into that Miami game, and then like you know what? Oh no, 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 no. forty-four fifteen later yeah. for year two. For year two, that's no, too no, high no. expectation. No, no. Seven and ten, and it was four and nine that led to three straight wins. Or yes, three straight wins, and then a loss to make it seven and ten. Dude, I'm going I, seven I, and ten too. That's what I got as well. I literally hate myself because when I and I, I as the more I see our schedule. I see eight wins going into Miami. Stop you see eight wins going to Miami. <laughs> I, I hate oh it. no! <laughs> Especially because if you win the, if you beat Cleveland and Pittsburgh, two games that you should win in the four, you beat Miami at home. Finally, win the home division game. You win the Green Bay, lose Denver, beat New England because you split. You double lose to Buffalo, lose to Minnesota. You beat Chicago, and then you beat Detroit, Jacksonville at Seattle, which would be crazy. Jets winning on the West Coast in Seattle in you know on January first. That that's a, that's a large task. Are y'all not high on um on Miami this year? What are your thoughts on the Dolphins and the the, the McDaniel and and getting Tyree Kill and, and Go ahead, Alex. what that might what look think? like? What do you think of Tua? Tell him. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Tua, um, but I do think that 
I do think that with the talent that they put around him, they'll be a middling enough team where they're not going to be abysmal, mm-hmm. but they're going to just be like right around there competing somewhere with the Jets. That's, that's just kind of my feeling on okay. them this season. So in John's scenario where they're, the Jets are eight and eight going to Miami, let's say Miami's nine and seven. What do you, do you see the Jets pulling off no. a win and get, okay. No, that was the no, quickest no. no I've ever heard Here's of that. Like Claudio. You know, look, I, we are Jets fans. I'm, I'm aware. I don't think they're going into that game seven. For, 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 eight, year, eight, for, year, for, for year two, all right, we, it was an anomaly to have Mark Sanchez come to two AFC championships as rookie. Still have some of the best playoff stats that mm-hmm. we've ever seen. Okay, for you're asking Are Zach you Wilson, a top five quarterback in Jets history, Mark Sanchez? Yes. <laughs> Honestly, it's a real thing. Arguably a top five quarterback. At the end of the day, he honestly had a part of my growing up Mm -hmm. in my childhood, which is crazy. Without the The, Sanchez era, I I might have moved on. (laughs) The happiest (laughs) I've been as a Jets fan was when Mark Sanchez was quarterback. That's a real fact. 100%. Yes, for sure. But guys, because we were that close and we haven't seen anything that, I think it's also tough, man, for, for putting that on Zach Wilson year two. I don't know. I can't. Well, I can't. Listen, I can't do that yet. Can't do that. Can I just yet. say one thing about this Dolphins schedule? You're asking yeah. about the Dolphins. They have a lot harder schedule, even though they're in the same division as the Jets. They are at Cincinnati, at Baltimore, which is tough. They're at the Chargers, which we don't have, which is tough. They still have Green Bay coming into town, and they're at San Francisco. Those are really tough mm. games. I don't see nine wins in their schedule, to be honest with you. So, like, if they could beat Pittsburgh at home. If they somehow could beat Chicago and Detroit on the road, which is tough, Cleveland, Deshaun Watson list as well. Like that's 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 four wins right there. You maybe get some division games. That's bump it up to six. Like you know, you beat the Jets once, which you know negates you know from the other side, and you split maybe the Buffalo or New England. I, I honestly I don't see nine wins in the in, in the Miami's future and. Greg likes to always say, we've been saying it for a couple of years now, rookie head coaches just mm. doesn't work. And then we have Tua, who's a work in progress, just to be nice about it. Chase Edmonds had a really good year last year. I don't know. They have, they also have a, they're decimated, man. They got injuries on the O line. They got injuries in the secondary to start off the year. And they're starting off with New England, Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Like, I, 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 where's the win? So I, I don't I don't know I don't know I I feel really confident don't. about this 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 eight and eight Jets because Claudio you talk about game it seems to be a theme today just the games I'm going to mm-hmm. I was at that Jets Buffalo game that Fitzpatrick game oh, if it's, oh, that Rex Ryan yeah game. we've we've talked about this now I remember we talked yes. about this yeah. and so I can't like I physically cannot lose to not make the playoffs against. The Dolphins in Miami, like this is just. Wait, are you going? No, but if it's oh, okay, the okay. playoffs, I you were repeating that. Okay, I might okay. have to. I might have <laughs> oh, to. Oh no, 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 I don't know. Like I just, I can't. I can't How do you not? To me. We're not landing back on a plane if you lose that game. Okay. I don't know if you know this, Claudio. I'm worried about that bad juju. I don't know if you know this, but but John was actually in London last year when the Jets played that uh, the I Falcons. Knew. When they played the that Falcons and lost, yeah, that was right after the uh, the win against um against Titans. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I'll say about game. Miami. Kyle Pitts became an NFL player that day. <laughs> I, yeah, as a fantasy owner, I appreciated it. Um, 
Jets I, tight ends. Jets I, tight ends is abysmal, dude. I think you'll know about Miami literally week one because I actually do see their win, and it's New England. And if they like make an example out of New England, then okay, like this is what the the Dolphins' offense might be. What? Bill Belichick is going to lose to Tua and a first-year head coach in week one. Rex Ryan beat him his first year in week two. Adam um, Gase, Adam Gase has beaten him. What are we doing? Yeah, what are, like, <laughs> that's why the thing about the rookie. Adam Eric Mangini beat, beat him his rookie year. Adam Gase beat Bill Belichick in his rookie year. Yeah, with the Dolphins, they went. They were ten and oh, six. Oh, Dolphins, Dolphins, Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins. So let's say now yeah, the Jets. Yeah. You said rookie head no. coaches, which is oh, why I'm yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to make that equivalent yeah. here. Has you he? Know? Okay. Also, go, you're go. doing the Popovich thing again. Pop like Belichick I, I, doesn't have a roster that could be a lot of teams right now, let alone a team with a rookie head coach. Okay, that's fair. That, that's I, my thought. You know, it's just scary. It's just scary for me. I mean, it is. I agree. I'm just also saying, like, eventually we have to look at what's what our eyes are telling us. Like, as a Mets fan, I was not picking against the Atlanta Braves until they lost an NL East growing up because they won the division every year inexplicably, regardless of what their roster actually said. Then in 06, the talent deficiency between the Mets and the Braves was so stark that the only reason people were picking the Braves was out of respect. <laughs> and then they lost the division by 22 games. And it was like, all right, we can start picking against the Braves again. Great. So I'm so, out of respect. I'll say the Patriots like competitive, are competitive against Miami. And I'm not going to predict they finish in last place this year. But I think I also am. You know, you know, but it's funny. To, last just year, to, just they to opened clarify. the season. They lost against the Dolphins. What's up? Last year, Patriots opened against the Dolphins and lost. There you go. But I, I, I just want to say this. like, So Adam Gase didn't beat Bill Belichick his rookie season, but he did beat him the second season. Second season yeah, yeah. when he was down there. Oh, so, is that the uh, the Hail Mary the 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 that game? Uh, okay. The crazy, the crazy, the crazy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> lateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, the lateral game. Okay. So you know, I so. just think it's a little tough to beat him. Okay, so you guys have the Jets missing the playoffs. We have them in the hunt here. We have the Knicks fixing everybody's feelings by getting rid of Fournier and Randall. Everyone's going to be kumbaya by 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 week one for the Knicks too. Did oh, I get sorry. that right? Can I ask you a question? Who? What happens first? The Jets get their fifth win, or Tom Thibodeau gets fired? Why does this come up with? <laughs> <laughs> you know, John asked you. That's like, my big prediction for the first? Knicks season this year. I'll tell you that much. What was the question uh, last which, week, Alex? That I, that, that I gave you. You like what was going to happen first? Donovan Mitchell gets traded, or Jets, or Jets win? I said, I said, what happens first? Donovan Mitchell gets traded. Knicks above 500 or the Jets above 500. <laughs> I never, I forgot oh. what the answer was, but it wasn't Donovan. No, no, or no, Yankees make, yo, Yankees make, Yankees make the playoffs. It was all, all three of our oh, teams. Yeah, That's yeah, what it Cause was. that was a month away. I was like, <laughs> by October, I think the Jets will be 500. Oh man. What do you think, Alex? Let's see. Is Tom Thibodeau going to be fired first or are the Jets going to be above 500? Was that the question? Oh, well, five, five I games. said five wins. Do the Jets five get to win? By the time and his Tibbs, like, so say I have their fifth win week. Oh, I have Miami's schedule open. I have the Jets' fifth by win. By the bye week. 
Oh, by the bye week is November. They're not going to fire him in November. That's why I'm saying their fifth wing could be that Detroit game on December 18th. In December? Yeah. Oh, my God. If they have four wow. wins by December 18th, this is going to be a rough year for so me. So then let's just make that the cutoff. When the Jets okay. are playing on Detroit. Detroit, playing Detroit. In fact, they're not going to fire him before Christmas, I don't think. All right, so let's just do this. Yeah. When they get to Seattle, okay, for okay. week 17. January 1st. What what happens first? Does that game get played? Uh, this is a long way of saying. Does Tibbs make it to January first? Tibbs, Tibbs makes it the whole year. Tibbs makes it the whole. Nicky makes it the whole year. Tibbs makes it the whole year. If if they if they scrap Rand, if well, I should say scrap. If they trade Randall <laughs> and Fortier, he's staying the entire. There's no way yes, you can have agreed. any any expectations. Um, if they're both here, woo, this team better start. That team better start winning. So I'm going to say. Uh, if Tom Thibodeau is still here, which is first Jets, I'm gonna have to say Tibbs probably gets fired over. Uh, if you got the if you got the Randall Fournier exper- experiment here, Tibbs getting fired first, then uh, Jets uh, making it that far. Yeah, you guys disgust me. Why? Because the Jets are gonna get five wins by by October, week five. By but yeah by by <laughs> by, by, by week eight. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> week eight. Yeah, they're gonna be five and three headed into Buffalo. Yeah, because we got the Patriots. Or are you saying they'll be five and two headed into New England or heading into playing no, New England? No, they're gonna win. They're gonna beat the Patriots, like we like we said. I okay. I I'm just assuming we're gonna be Green Bay because I'm praying about it. Because <laughs> you're there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know that's re- I know that's ridiculous. Trust me, I was at the no. joint practice between Green Bay and the Jets last year. No one has seen them get torn apart like me. And I was at the game. That was tough, but I'm just giving it to me. I'm giving us the home win versus the Dolphins as our first home win of the season, week five. Mm-hmm. And then at Pittsburgh, we could beat Mitch Trubisky and we could beat Jacoby Brissett. That's five wins. I love it. I love it. So five and four, five and four headed into the bye. Five and four headed into the bye. And, and then they, they beat New God England. So that's no, six and four. And lose. then they beat Chicago. We lose. Seven and four. We lose in, we lose in Shot the world in Minnesota. Uh, another eight L. And four. Another L. Then a letdown another game L. against Buffalo. It's eight another and five. L. And then L. four straight wins to end the season. Twelve and five. Four straight to end the season. And a I'm bye week. On we'll be the one seed. Let's do <laughs> it. Fu- I, I got nine wins, bro. Nine <laughs> wins. <laughs> Nine wins here. The four games are going to be tough. The four games are going to be tough. Well, it's going to be tough as if they are eight and eight and on a three game winning streak heading into Miami. That letdown. It's like, and if we beat Miami already, yeah, it's over. I know. Trust me. I know. Eight and nine to 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 be in the hunt to end the season. I love it. Uh, I'll hang up the banner. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) I'm with Alex. By the way, if they fire, if they're they're only firing Tibbs, if there's a roster that's trying, like a veteran that's trying, trying to, to compete. Yeah. If they trade Randall, trade Fournier, and honestly, and trade Derrick Rose, hey, I think Tibbs resigns because he will not coach a team <laughs> the rest of his life that doesn't have Derrick Rose on it. But if he's still here, he's been reassured this year does, the record doesn't matter this year, which I don't think he's going to sign on for. Um, but let's see, maybe he can, I do still think he's a good coach and maybe he can work some magic and, Develop some of these kids into some role players that actually win a couple games, and then you have an even a better problem on your hands. Your team that was meant to tank is too good. Yeah, that's a, that's the dream. That's a dream. That's, it's literally Memphis. The, you know, it's literally the dream. Yeah. Oh man. Some Leo might Claudio, say it's what is gonna happen. 
We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I love it. We'll see. Claudio optimistic about the Jets this season. <laughs> Claudio optimistic about the, the young Knicks. I love it. This, this is why we bring Claudio on. All right. Oh, yeah. Just to add on to the optimism. Would love if Andrew. that optimism translated into baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're getting crazy. No, not great right now. Guys. Both of our baseball Look, man, teams are trash yeah. right now. Look, man. Only, th- only two of the three teams that Max can ever be good at once. This isn't going to be like the 70s or anything like that anymore. All right. Uh, it's all over. Judge is the MVP, right? Has should be. be okay. Good. I'm glad. Has I've, to be. I've, I'm talking to Yankee fans, so what? I Nobody shouldn't... has to be. I understand Otani. If, if I mean, Angels, not, this if is not the Angels being... were good. I would give it to them. Just give mm-hmm. it to them. But like the Angels are so bad, dude. We can't ever watch them. I agree. I I think the the issue I have is Otani is literally doing something we've never done. We've never seen mm-hmm. done. And two weeks ago, I was like, it's it's not even close. Otani's like. A solid power hitter. He's not having the year he had last year, and he's like a two or three starter. Which, yeah, that's impressive. But like, judges breaking might break some records this year. And since that two weeks has started, Otani's like his OPS is over nine hundred. He's having like Cy Young caliber season on the mound. Which, okay, it's it's closer than I thought. If Judge gets to sixty five home runs, that's the most valuable player in the. In the league. So you think that's you think if he doesn't get sixty five, he shouldn't get MVP? My point is he has to break like the, no, the I, I reason doesn't matter to me, yeah. especially because it's a contract year. I and, and because the Yankees, the state of the Yankees, I never cared less about MVP mm. for my team, especially baseball in my life. Because first of all, it hurts us as an organization if he gets MVP because he's going to want to get more money, right? So it just sucks for us. Less likely we keep him. And two, is this going to be an asterisk on the season? Oh yeah, Aaron Judge got MVP. Oh, is that the year that we did it? Yeah, you know, you know how we are, baseball fans. Like it's just gonna compute with ourselves. Like, oh yeah, Aaron Judge won MVP, and then we lost in the wild card to whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? And then he he walked, which is the even scarier thing. Exactly. You know? Like that was the, that was the end of the era. So I don't know. I think he, it would have to be an unprecedented season that matches Otani's unprecedented season. Is my point. So Judge think, gets you, to. You don't care about the wins and the losses. Oh, not at all. Baseball is way too individual of a sport. And, Interesting. you know, like if you're a good player mm-hmm. on a last place team, that's not your fault that like if you you're pitch- trout deserved it all these years, you're a big trout guy. Um, I'm back and forth. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. That like that. Like, if you're, well, just like, but I also like, is it his fault that his team can't win? It's not like, his fault. Off I mean, these you need, numbers, you, need, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need other guys to come help and come through. It's like way more of an indictment on the Angels than Trout that they have these two generational baseball players on their team and just like can't finish over 500. You want to talk about an in the hunt graphic? When's the last time we saw the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of California in the hunt? (laughs) So that's more why I go to that. Um, I think I do think specifically, and this is my New York bias here, it's different when you're doing it for the Yankees. There is more pressure on the Yan- on any Yankee player than any other market in sports, potentially. It's like the Cowboys, the Yankees, the Lakers. Well, he's trying to do that on purpose, right? He chose to go to a smaller market. Wasn't that his uh, own deal? He, he, no, well, he didn't go to a small He went to Los Angeles. You know, I get it. It's Orange County, but he still yeah. went to Los Angeles. He wanted to go to a place at the time where it was closer to the West Coast because it's closer mm-hmm. to home. And it's like he wanted – he like the whole National League was out at the time because he wanted a DH. Mm-hmm. Um, I think – 
look, if Judge breaks Maris's record, then like that's an unprecedented season. We've only ever seen people that like were cheating do that. So mm-hmm. like you give it to Judge in that case. I I if they were to then turn and give it to Otani, I'd be like, that sucks. So we're just gonna reward it. But like he's the MVP for the rest of his life then. That's a, that's another you thing. Know? Which, you know, maybe he should be. He's actually maybe really he is, pretty yeah, freaking valuable. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's the other no, part, you know. I've, again, I've never been, like, I remember, like, breaking walls and, and ripping shirts talking about David Ortiz versus A-Rod mm-hmm. and how that meant so much. And I don't know if it's because the Yankees just haven't won in so long or because of how the last two months have gone. But I just do not care about Aaron Judge's MVP. I just really, truly don't. Well, remember what, realize what you just said. Dar- uh, A-Rod against... Big Poppy, Yankees, Red Sox. And you also, yeah. that's 05. That is a time when baseball mattered, mattered. more yeah. than anything else. Oh, that man. three year stretch of Yankees, Red Sox, as yeah. a Mets fan watching it from the outside, it's the most I've ever enjoyed baseball. That, like, you want to talk about, like, the, 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 the rating, the glory days of baseball? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The ratings for playoff games were like, Better than Michael Jordan's finals games, and like, baseball mattered for a good three years. And but, you know, you know why? Like, sense. It, it, you're a big baseball fan. I was looking at statistics the other day, and I was looking to see how many guys was hitting over 300. Yeah, batting you know? average doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, so yeah. which, war, which is right? yeah. yeah. Well, on base percentage, they look at it. It's okay. like the whole concept of Milwaukee's as good as a hit doesn't factor into batting average. So. Like if you're like so Bryce Harper in 2017 hit 249, which like to our heads it's like okay you're a 250 hitter that's not good, but he walked 120 times had an on base percentage over 400. So the recalculation to look at OPS on base percentage, a 300 batting average is great. Mark Can is hitting 280 this year. He's a singles hitter and hits for no power, which leads to more run production, which is why I've had to kind of retrain my brain, but. Look, I don't like it that I look at the Dodgers and they got 90 some odd wins, but they've got six guys in their lineup hitting under 220, you know? But that's the thing. It's like, that's the action. That's the action, though. It's like getting up there, watching somebody go hit, seeing how they, you know, watching everybody on on the field shift. Like, how do you maneuver somebody who's like a righty, a lefty? Who, how do you shift for someone who's playing power? The whole like strategy of the game. That kind of goes out of the way where it's like, oh, we could just get a walk and no one wants to go hit for average anymore. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was looking when they had, I think it was like 2012 that the statistics I was, I was looking up. There was 45 to 50 guys hitting 300, like averaging 300 or better. Mm -hmm. Now I look back and it's like 15. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like, what's going on here? So like, there needs to be some sort of action, like just going to the same, like, oh, great. They got on base and, you know, very smart. They, they didn't swing at all these guys, mm-hmm. uh, pitches that he has in his arsenal. They didn't take the slider. They didn't take the cutter. I mean, that's great play, but it's still like, I want to see some like hitting, getting on base, you know, moving it that way, just keeping the offensive live instead of just swinging and going for yard all the time. Well, that's the other part is the, this overindulgence of trying to swing for the fences. So you get a guy like Stanton. Who is a 219 hitter, but is because he he's swinging for the fences, if he connects once, it's like, all right, you produced a run with a swing, but you got to indulge the seven strikeouts in between yeah. that. And one of them and, break, and one of them hurts his foot. He got yeah, literally hurt yeah. yesterday because he swung too hard. So Fred Katz and I, 
we we're, we're like really big baseball fans and we talk yep. about how we have like a, a a really solid baseball text conversation where it's literally oh, just nice. well it's literally just us talking about why baseball isn't as popular as it used mm. to be and the idea that what probably mathematically is best like the best strategy which is what is the best way to create a run in my single at bat and it's to swing for the fences is also the least appealing version of baseball. Like the, these guys aren't better hitters because they're swinging for the fences. They just know the math says like an uppercut that swings over the fence. Yet we grew up in the Keith Hernandez era, the Tony Gwynn's, the, 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 the 330 hitters, the Todd Helton's, the Larry Walker's of the world that pride themselves on I'm striking out less than a hundred times this year. I'm hitting them where it ain't. I'm taking advantage of a shift. I'm a, I, I'm a, a, a cerebral hitter as a result. And it was some, somewhere around the 2010s, baseball decided the best way to produce runs is to swing for the fences. And if they want to shift on you, me fine. I'm still going to swing for the fences. And as a result, power matters much more than, you know, your batting average. For sure. Which, I think that you know, was like, Makes it a less a gross transition. Yeah. That was probably the most gross transition of baseball because I remember going to so many Yankee games. I have to watch. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a big I'm not a big A Rod guy, not <laughs> at all. Okay. So I'm I, the, and I know like Yankees camp is like yeah, they love this guy or you hate this guy. And I'm in the I hate A Rod camp because I'm like eh, didn't really do much, bro. You didn't do anything. Yeah. And yeah. even our captain was like, whatever. Like Did you watch the captain, the documentary? In the process, I'm in the process of doing okay. it right now. Ta- like yeah. DM me when you you get through it because it's episode you five. I've seen it twice. Episode five is my favorite really? episode of the series. It's one of okay. my favorite episodes of ESPN documentaries ever. Okay. Partially because A-Rod it's all no, it's, it's partially they they start with oh four. Um, and the, the collapse mm. against the Red Sox. Again, this is Mets fan porn we're talking yeah. about here. Sure, yeah. sure, um, sure. then they talk about the gift baskets and Derek Jeter's knife life. Mm-hmm. Um, then they kind of, they, they kind of get a white reporter to say something he shouldn't have midway through the episode. And then in, you get the Yankee family to react to it. And it's a reporter that when I was interning way back in the day used to be like, kid, stop calling me. And it's like, well, guess what? Now you're canceled, buddy. Interesting. You know, wow. right, episode nah, five of the captain is highly recommended. Let's go. All right. Thank you for indulging my, my baseball talk at the end of this, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on this show and talking Knicks, Jets, baseball with us, etc. Etc. man. So we got it there. So, Andrew, before we let you go, man, please let our listeners know where they can find you. If you got anything to promote, come on, man. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew J. Claudio underscore. You can find all things Nick's Film School uh, in the link tree that's on our Twitter account, but just honestly searching at Nick's Film School, uh, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitch Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the above. Um, on YouTube, we just hit over 10,000 subscribers over the summer, so we're we're nowhere near yeah, congrats on that man thank you um as an employee of Knicks fan tv i understand we still got some catching up to do but it's, <laughs> it's a milestone nonetheless uh and our patreon we got you got john's newsletter we we do some really thorough coverage of the new york knicks of course uh and then i have a movie podcast we're on a hiatus right now because we finished season one 
Um, but it's called Final Review. We take the greatest movies of all time and try to actually calculate the value of their greatness. We did 25 episodes in season one. Everything from Remember the Titans to The Godfather to Titanic to Spider-Man. Uh, you name it, we, we covered a bunch in season one. So check it out. Um, Final so, Review, available everywhere podcasts are available. So because you're not going to where's the med stuff? Claudio, oh, yeah. I'm so mad at the Mets right now. I don't want to talk about it. I also do <laughs> live watch parties of Mets games on playback uh, with my buddy Rich McLeod of Just Mets. Um, we're doing, uh, when is this airing? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> so tonight, Wednesday night against the Pirates, Jacob DeGrom takes the mound and Rich and I will be watching live uh, as the Mets hopefully decide to treat a last place team like a last place team and not, you know, play down to their level. Um, yeah, so you could, you could join me. You can either join me as we watch the Mets turn their season around, or if you like watching me in agony, tune in as we see the Mets squander what used to be a 10 and a half game lead in the National League East. Uh, sounds like of, a bitter fan that I can just roll you to when it comes very, to the Jets too. Very much so. Yes. Speaking of, speaking of the, t- the, the reviews, mm-hmm. are we watching the new Game of Thrones? House oh yes, House of Dragons. Yes, okay. absolutely. I haven't, I haven't started it yet. I, I kind of like to wait because, like, I to be honest with you, I hate the the waiting a week nonsense. Okay, it's like to wait until I just have a bunch, so I can oh, just like kind of like the waiting a week nonsense. You mean <laughs> yeah, the way we watch it. television no, for no, like a hundred years? <laughs> no, we don't do that anymore. I can't. I can't. I can't be sitting there reading theories, thinking about it for a week. I, oh, I, the war is the best part. The war, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just I need a rapid. I'll wait for the last episode, maybe the last two. Okay, like that's when I'll catch up. I'm not gonna wait till it's all over. So, it's outstanding. It's good though. Okay, it's outstanding. Good. I was also nervous. Yes. I was nervous about that. Well, yeah. So, See, if you, from yeah. what the way Game of Thrones ended, that's natural to be nervous. <laughs> yeah, really. I am telling yeah. you, they have like picked the ball up from from season four, and they have just take, okay. That's it, good. It's now running the way that I'm a big prequel guy. See, that's the thing. Even nobody in this world matters to Game of Thrones. Like, it, like the, it, we're talking about hundreds of years before Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. So the world we're watching actually has some, like, you know, they're all going to die, but yeah, yeah, the yeah. how of it all is actually pretty fascinating. The political intrigue that was in season one is back. The special effects and the gore with the dragons that you got in season five and six is back. The battle scene that we got at the end of episode three that just aired is on par with Blackwater and Battle of the Bastards and Hard Home. You can see? Yes, you can see. You can see. It's <laughs> okay. a daytime battle. It's a daytime battle. Even okay, better. That's good. Um, that's good. Did you hear yeah. about the sequel coming out with Jon Snow? Yeah, I heard. I'm, I'm, see that? So you're not a prequel. I'm not a sequel to anything of Game really. Of Thrones so that back. intrigues yeah. me a lot more than the prequel stuff. But okay, I'm I'm down. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get into that. I'm it's down. awesome. I I'm, right. I co-sign and recommend. That'll be my final That's recommendation. All I need. Yeah. That's all I need. House of Dragons. House of the Dragons. Excuse me. That's all I need. See. And that's what we love. That's what we love having quality on, man. This is where we get the true et cetera. The true et cetera. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in for another Knicks and Jets episode, of the Knicks, Jets, et cetera podcast. Please make sure to follow Andrew Claudio. Check out Knicks Film School. Check out Final Review. Check out everything Andrew does because it's just top-notch work. And even over just all the organizations he's with, they do top-notch work. Okay. So make sure to go subscribe, follow them wherever. Uh, 
yeah, wherever you could go find whatever their their content is, make sure to go support. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in for another episode. Once again, please make sure to subscribe. It's free to do, okay? What whatever audio listening platform you listen to us on, make sure to subscribe. Go check over the YouTube page, subscribe over there, follow us on all social media, check out Winning Picks Weekly. You all know the drill. We'll catch you later this week to preview the Jets versus the Ravens. We out. Can't believe we're back. Let's go, Jets, and let's go, Knicks. Trade Fournier and Randall so we can help these guys out. <laughs> 